Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. As Christians, as Christians, we affirm, as Christians, we believe and we affirm that Christ produces a new life in us, a new way, a new kind of living. But here's my concern. This is my concern. It doesn't have to be yours, but here's just my concern. My concern is, and I, I don't want to be judgmental. I just want to be real with us, okay? My concern is that when I look at the Christians and non-Christians, I don't see a whole lot of difference. I see little difference. Well, th- for the most part. I mean, yeah, you come to church. You, you own one or two worship albums. You got a Bible somewhere in your house. You know, but, but there, isn't, there isn't much distinction in our life. For those of us that have said, yeah, Jesus, Jesus is my Lord. Jesus, Jesus is my Savior. And, and I don't know, you, you've maybe wondered this, or I don't know if it's just me, because sometimes I can be pessimistic. But have you ever wondered that, why is it that someone can put their faith in Jesus, pray, attend church, and even serve, but yet still think, feel, talk, behave like Jesus isn't even in their life? Don't raise your hand. But do you know somebody like that? Some of you guys would say, I live with somebody like, no, I'm just. <laughs> See, here's the thing. And I just want to be real with this because I, I, I really believe that, that, that we need to start on even ground, right? But for many Christians, for many Christians, if we were to be honest, our faith in Jesus has helped us to make some changes. To improve in some areas. But new? I would probably say Nestor 1.2, not 2.0. Right? Now, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he can tell us a lot about becoming a new person. Because his life was drastically changed. And if his life can change, I want to tell you that yours can too, okay? Because as bad as you may think you are, okay, as bad, as sinful, as, as, as deep in a pit as you may feel, I want you to know that Paul was in a probably a deeper pit, okay? You've probably hated people, but you've never persecuted somebody else. You've probably talked bad about somebody else, but you've probably never deputized yourself to go arrest somebody and take them to jail. And Paul, Paul hated Christians. Paul not only hated Christians, he hated their faith. And he persecuted the church. He, he went after Christians. Um, he was there when, 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 when they stoned Christians. But yet, the same Paul that persecuted Christ and the people of the way, as that's what Christians were known in, in the early days, eventually became the greatest follower of Jesus Christ. We can arguably say that he was the greatest apostle, disciple. 
And he can tell us a lot about churning our life or allowing Christ to churn our life from black to white, from destructive to life. Can we look at what he says? Look at what he says right there in um, 2 Corinthians 5, 15 through 17. Um, Keep your finger there because I'm going to stop a lot, okay? I want to explain this and then we're going to get into the main points. Look at what he says. He says, what what, what is he? He's talking about Jesus here, okay? Paul's talking about Jesus. What does he say? He what? Okay, I want to tell you something. Here's what you need to know. Here's the first thing you need to know. The death of Jesus has a lot to do with your new life. If there's no death, there's no new life for you. Okay, look at what he says. He died for who? For everyone. That means every single one of us in this room can have the opportunity to allow Jesus to make us into a new person, to give us new life. He died for everyone so that those who what? Receive his new life, okay? Now, will no longer what? Ooh, oh, some of you can't even say that. Jesus died so what? That we may no longer live for who? Instead, look at what he says. Instead, instead what? They should live for who? Christ. Can I tell you one big reason we don't experience the new person that Christ says we are, the new life that Christ has for us? Can I tell you one big reason we don't have that new life? Because we believe that Jesus died for us, but we don't believe that we should live for him. Because guess what? Uh, and I'm preaching to myself, okay? It's easier for me to say, yeah, Jesus died for me. But when it comes to me having to have to live for him, oh, that's a little bit harder. Because, you know, sometimes Jesus wants things for me that I don't want for myself. And see, that, 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 that's, that's one of the big problems that we're going to face in this series. That we're self-centered. We think about who? And Jesus said, listen, I died that you may live. But this new life, you're supposed to live it not thinking of you, but thinking of who? Me. And just in case you think, and if you're, if you're not a Christian, this message is probably not going to want you to be a Christian. And you're like, why would I want that? Well, I'm going to tell you at the end why, okay? But listen, in the New Testament, the followers of Jesus, especially the disciples, the writers of the New Testament, had a word that they used to identify themselves. You know what that word was? Slaves. They said, I am a slave of Jesus. Why? Because a slave doesn't live for themselves. It lives for who? For their master. Now, The Bible is clear that we are to take care of ourselves, but not that we are to live for ourselves. There's a big difference. Yes, you care for yourself. I'm not saying that you don't eat. I'm not saying that you don't care for your job. But but Jesus says, hey, you don't live for yourself. You live now for me. Look at what the verse continues to say. Who died and was raised for them. Now, the grounds, the, the, the authority, the reason Jesus calls us to live for him is that he bought us at a high price. The reason Jesus can say, hey, you shouldn't live for yourself, you should live for me, is because he bought you with his own life. 
He paid for you. He paid for me. And by the way, he didn't just die. It says that he what? Rose again. So guess what? We don't just live for Jesus because he died for us, but we also live for him because we serve a God that is alive. That's why. And it says, it continues on to say, so we have stopped evaluating others from what? That's, that's a big problem. Looking at life, looking at your relationships, looking at yourself from a human point of view will hinder the new life, the new person that Jesus wants you to be. And he, Paul continues on to say, at one time, we thought of who? Christ. Merely from a human point of view. Did you know I've discovered that the majority of people have their own version of Jesus? Our, our, uh, our world today makes Jesus to whom they want him to be. Oh, my Jesus doesn't require me to go to church, but he'll bless me abundantly and generously. Oh, my Jesus, it's okay for me to smoke a little bit. Oh, my Jesus is okay with me clubbing it a little bit. Oh, my Jesus is okay if we have sex and we're not married because we love each other. Everybody's got their own version of Jesus. Because they're, they see Jesus from their own human point of view. You try to understand him from a human perspective or as another version will say, from your flesh, from your sinful desires. But look at what he says. How differently, how differently we know. And that word know is to take the light, to cherish. It speaks about a union. It's not just information. It's a relationship. It's a, it's a union. And Paul says, he says, how differently we know him what? Now, let me tell you something. A lot of people will miss heaven by about 18 inches. Because they know Jesus up here, but they don't know him down here. Because they have information about him. Because they know verses, they know the stories, they know how to act like Christians, but they don't have a relationship with Jesus. Let me tell you something. Mere information about Jesus will not transform you. It is being with Jesus that transforms you. Verse 17. You guys are too serious. Why? Is this hurting? I'm not wanting to hurt you. I'm just wanting to... Verse 17, what does this all mean? Okay, Paul, what's the point of you telling us all that? What's the benefit of all that? Look at this. This means that anyone who, who, who what? Belongs. Let me tell you something. Salvation comes by believing, but it never stops at believing. We need to belong. Believing is not enough. The Bible says that even demons believe and tremble. They don't change. And Paul says, those who what? Belong. Who belong to Jesus. Has, not will, not eventually, not maybe, but has. Look at what he says about those that belong to Jesus. Has become a what? A better person? An improved person? No, it says what? A new person. Look at this. The old life, the old life, what old life? The selfish, the carnal, the sinful. Is what? Gone. 
The new life has what? Begun. Now, here's what I want you to know. Okay. Jesus doesn't want to improve your life. He doesn't want you to turn a leaf over. He wants to make you new. He wants to make everything new. He wants to make everything about us new. But you know, I know what some of you guys are thinking. This is what I want to talk to you about today. We're going to talk a lot more about this whole topic. But what I want to talk to you about today is that you may be saying, well, you know, I go to church. I believe in Jesus. I love him. I pray to be made a new person. But I don't feel like a new person. I mean, I tithe, I serve, I read my Bible, I spend time with God, but I don't feel like a new person because maybe I don't think, I think I don't behave like a new person because there's still some guilt and some shame because I still have a hard time accepting and loving myself like Christ does. And I still, and most of us would not be honest to say, I still struggle with some addictions, some choices and some thoughts. And the bottom line is that I think there's a lot of people in church who don't feel new. Let me tell you three big reasons we don't feel new, okay? And I want to emphasize on feel. We'll talk about this. The first one, and you can fill this out in your outline. The first reason we don't feel new is is our history, is our past, right? The older you are, probably the more filthy of a past you have, right? (laughs) Y'all some filthy people. No, I'm joking, I'm joking. I'm joking. I, 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 please, no, you're not. You're, you're saints. You're sanctified. You're holy. You're God's nation. But, but some people would, 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 say, would say, you know what, Nestor? You don't know what I did. If you knew, you would understand. Let me tell you something. This is the truth. God knows. Come on now. And you know what he did about that? He died for you. And because God knows, he wants his love to transform you. Your past doesn't, doesn't, doesn't disgust God where he says, no, I don't want anything to do with him. No. It is because we have a past. It is because we have messed up that Jesus died for us so that his love could transform us and change us. The second thing that often doesn't let us feel like we're new is our hurts. The pain that has been caused, that has been done to us. Come on, we're, we've, we've all been wounded. We've all been rejected. You've probably been betrayed. Um, you, you have a hard time trusting people because people did you wrong. Maybe your husband cheated on you and not just once. Maybe your kids, they, they grew up and, and, and they forgot about you and they forgot about all the sacrifice that you did for them and, and you feel hurt. And let me tell you something, as long as we're on earth, and especially in church, it'll happen in church, people are going to hurt you because we're not perfect, because we're still struggle with things. But let me tell you something, no one can do something to you like what Jesus did for you. And what he did should have greater weight than whatever someone else can do for us. And then the last one is our habits, right? The sinful, destructive behaviors, the habits that we continue to struggle with. We try, but we can't overcome them. 
So our history, our hurts, and our habits, they often make us feel like, I'm not new. I mean, I, if I was new, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be hurting this way. If I was new, I, I, I wouldn't feel the shame that I do about my past. Well, let me tell you this, okay? Feelings are real. They're real. But they're not facts. I was at the store the other day, and uh, I don't know what I was looking at, but I saw a mug that said, do more of what feels good. Oh boy, that's bad advice. <laughs> that's bad advice, isn't it? Come on, let's be honest. Can we be honest? Because what do we feel like doing? More donuts. Another hour of sleep. Right? Just one more dress. And if you keep doing what feels good, where are you going to end up? Now, feelings are real. They're real. God gave them to you. But they are not facts. Now, I am not saying, I am not saying that feelings do not matter. I am not even telling you that you shouldn't feel that way. But what I am telling you is that just because you feel something doesn't mean it's true. You know, the Dodgers just lost, right? And, you know, I'm watching these guys. I'm watching these guys. And they're striking out. They're grounding. They're double plays. I felt like I could hit the ball better. Is that true? Absolutely not. I could not hit the ball better than Kike. If he's bad, I'm worse. So what I'm saying is that just because we feel something doesn't mean it's true. Here's the second thing about your feelings, okay? We are not made new by what we feel about ourselves. What makes us new is what we believe. God about ourselves. It's not what I feel, it's what I believe God says. Listen, feelings are legitimate. Feelings are legitimate. God gave them to you and they have a role, but they are not the way you are to live. We have to live by facts. And here's the greatest truth about you and me. And this is what needs to determine what we believe and what we do. What would happen? Can you imagine? Just imagine. What would happen if you started believing what God says about you more than you do your feelings? Can you imagine where you would be or where, where you would have not had ended up? Because you listen to your, oh, it just feels good. Or it feels so good. It can't be wrong. And then you woke up the next day and it was wrong. <laughs> now, what I want to do really quickly is I want to look at three facts, at three truths that God says about you and me, specifically about how and why we are made new in Christ, okay? Number one, we are made new in Christ, and you can fill this out in your outlines, because we are forgiven from our past, okay? We are new in Christ because we have forgiven. Now, now, maybe you don't feel new because you still carry the shame, the guilt, the memory, the consequences of your past. But look at what Paul tells the Ephesians in his letter to them in chapter 1, verse 7, right there in your outline. Listen to this. In Christ, we are made what? Free. 
by his blood sacrifice, in other words, because he died, we have forgiveness of what? Of sins because of God's rich grace. I want to tell you the first truth. If you are a follower of Jesus, if your faith is in Jesus, everything about you is new. Because your past, God paid for it and he erased it. And everything is new about you, whether you feel it or not. In the eyes of God, he sees Jesus in you and not your past. But you know why we sometimes don't feel forgiven? Because most people have accepted the lie that you need to pay for your past. I, I gotta somehow, you know, if I hurt my wife, I gotta pay for it. Some people call it karma. Let me tell you something. Your past has already been paid for it. But not by you, but by Christ. That verse, Paul tells the Ephesians, he says, in Christ, it's not in your good works, it's not in your efforts, it's not in your good feelings, it is in Christ that we have been forgiven. When I was in, in uh, elementary, um, we, we used to play kickball. You guys remember kickball? It was like baseball, but you would kick the ball. Okay, I, I wanted to be the pitcher, right? And uh, our teacher would let us take turns. And, and uh, you know, as little kids, we would run to her. And, teacher, teacher, can I, can I pitch? And this little girl and I, we both ran at the same time. And, and the teacher said, she says, so she says, okay, Nestor, because you came first, you, you get to pitch first, and then you get to pitch the next inning. So when the next inning came, the girl ran to, to the teacher and said, teacher, can I, can I pitch? And the teacher gave her the ball to pitch. I was mad. And as I was walking away from the teacher, I said a bad word about her. I did. In Spanish too, which is worse. And I was walking away and I was so mad that I said, some of y'all just thought of it. And the girl heard me. The girl heard me. And she went to go tell the teacher. The teacher got so mad, I got suspended. I got suspended. I, I got a letter home and, and I brought it to my mom. I don't know if they called my mom or if it was just a letter. But when I got home, somehow my mom knew. And my mom says, you wait till your dad comes. Let me tell you something. My dad spanked us. He didn't abuse us, but he spanked us. And because of that, we have respect now. So when my mom said, wait till your dad gets here, I want to tell you something. It was the longest day of my life. I knew, and my dad always did this. He always told us why he was spanking us. I think I already said that to you, but it was just, I even thought about maybe putting like three pairs of jeans and a jacket and all of that. So my dad gets home, my mom finally tells him, and I was, I was ready for a spanking. I was ready to be, you know, corrected. My dad pulls me out of the house. We go inside the van. He sits me down. And I said, man, it's going to be so bad. He's putting me in the van so nobody hears me. <laughs> but he didn't smack me. We talked. And he told me that I was better than that, that I shouldn't be doing that, that she deserved respect. And he forgave me. He said, I'm not going to spank you because I believe you're going to do the right thing next time. Oh, 
felt so good. I really just, why? Because I was expecting I deserved something, but my father acted in kindness. And she said, I'm not giving you what you deserve. I'm going to give you what you need. And listen, the Bible says that if we as fathers can give good things to our children, how much more not our heavenly father would do to us. Look at what um, Romans 8.1 says. Therefore, therefore, there is now some condemnation, right? There is occasional condemnation. There's what? No, none, no condemnation for who? For those who are in Christ Jesus. So I got, if you feel that you are not new because you're struggling with your past, I want to tell you something. If God doesn't condemn you, why would you condemn yourself? Why would you condemn yourself? Second, we are made new in Christ, and you can fill this out in your outlines, because we are healed from our hurts. We are forgiven from our past, and we are healed from our hurts. I got to hurry up. So do you know what God does? Do you know what God does with our wounds and our hurts? Two things, two things. The first thing he does, we find it in Isaiah 61.1. Look at what it says. The Lord has sent me to what? Bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim what? Freedom for the captives and release from darkness, from darkness for the prisoners. Listen, God can heal our hurts. You know how God heals our hurts? You ready for this? In his presence. It is when we spend time with God, when we are with God, that he heals and he binds up our hurts. So God does two things with our hurts. First, he heals them. And the second thing he does is that he wants to use them for something bigger. The Bible says that what the enemy means for evil, God wants to use it for what? For good. Did you know, I, I read this the other day, that when a bone breaks and it is properly treated, it, it, it not only, it not, if you were to take an x-ray months later, you would not only see that the bone is properly healed and whole, but they are discovering that in many cases, the bone actually becomes stronger than it was before. And sometimes God, God, God doesn't cause our hurts, but sometimes God makes us stronger because of our hurts. And let me tell you something. In Christ, hurts and pain may feel like a setback, but they are actually a setup. They feel like, oh, I can't do that. But what God wants to do is because of that pain, he actually uses it to launch you to do something greater. And look at what the Bible says. Look at what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 5. Look at this. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of what? All compassion and the God of what? All comforts, all comfort, who what? Comforts us in what? All our troubles. All are true. There's nothing you're going through that God doesn't want to be there with you to sustain you and support you. But why does he do that? Why does he do that? So that we may feel good. Look at what he says. So that we can comfort those 
in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from who? From God. God brings hope in your hopelessness, not just for your benefit, but so that you can bring hope to others who feel hopeless. You have been healed. The question is, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to let, are you going to let God use your hurt to, to bless other people? Or are you going to feel like a victim? Third, we are new in Christ because we have been freed from our habits. And this is where many of us feel confused, right? Because we believe we have been forgiven. We believe that, that we can have healing in Jesus, but we can't stop drinking. We can't stop gossiping. We can't stop watching porn. You can't stop lying. And I know there's a lot of people who say, I love God. I love God. I really love him. But, but I, I, I still gamble. I still overspend. I still have anger issues. I'm still incredibly critical of people. I still have a problem with prescription medication. I, I, I love God, but I'm still sleeping with my boyfriend or my girlfriend. And, and the question is, well, then what's going on there? Thank you. Ephesians 4, 21 through 24, right there in your outlines. We're going to look at this next week in more detail, but I just want to show you something. Albert, if you can help me start setting that up. Listen to what it says, Ephesians 4, 21 through 24. It says, since you have heard, okay, since you have heard about Jesus and have what? Learned. So it's not just hearing. It's not just knowing, right? There's a relationship. Put it up here, Manny. The truth that comes from him. What do you hear about Jesus? What do you learn about Jesus? The truth. That truth, what should it make us do? Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. Which is corrupted by the lust. You can put that in the floor, Manny. Thank you. Which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, listen to this, instead. Let who? Let the spirit what? Renew your thoughts and attitude. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and what? Holy. We're going to look at more detail how next week, how you throw off your old habits and put on new habits. But what I want to do today is I want to give you three steps that are crucial to breaking the sinful habits in your life. The first one, and these are not in your outline. You may want to write them somewhere. The first one is that you got to make the decision to want to change. Listen, can you be honest with yourself and admit that there's some that don't want to change? You like your bad habit. You like your sin. And you ask people to pray, but deep down, you know that you're comfortable. And if you don't want to change, you won't change. The Bible speaks about dying to ourselves. C.S. Lewis said the following. He says, die before you die. And what he meant is that before your life, your physical life ends, die to yourself so that Jesus may live. Those of you that are married, let me tell you something. Did you know that God's purpose for marriage is not to make you happy? Some of you are like, well, he's doing a really good job. It's really working out because she ain't happy and I ain't happy. 
God's purpose for marriage is not to make you happy. Can I tell you one of God's purposes for marriage? And some of you that are not married, you probably won't want to get married after this. One of God's purposes for marriage is to kill you. Well, he's doing a good job. Let me tell you what I mean. God uses marriage to kill the things in us that don't please him. So that when we die to those things, we can live the new life in him. So the first thing you got to do if you want to change is want to change. And really say, I want to. Now, some of you guys say, well, Nestor, I've tried changing, but I haven't changed. Well, here's my question. What was the source of power to change? Your will or the Holy Spirit? Because the second thing that we need to change is that we need to let the Holy Spirit renew your mind. You won't change if you don't have the Holy Spirit and you don't allow him to renew your mind. Titus 3, verse 5 right there in your outlines. Look at what it says. He has washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life. Through who? Through the Holy Spirit. Steve put this on Facebook this this week. A.W. Tozer said the following. He said, you can be sure that the Holy Spirit never, never enters a man and lets him live like the world does. I want to show you something. Some of you may have already seen this on Facebook, so it's not original with me. So let's assume this is your life. And all those balls are all the bad habits, all the sinful stuff you got. And you say, well, I come to Christ, but they're still there, right? I've been made new, but those habits, that hurt, that pain, that past is still there. How do I get rid of it? Here's how you get rid of it. You allow the presence of God to get rid of it. And when you spend time with God, with him, when you read your word, when you pray, when you practice spiritual disciplines, when you worship, the presence of God begins to be poured in your life. And at first, let me tell you something. At first, you're spending time with God, but you don't see anything happening, right? It's like, I've been coming to church. Nothing has changed. What's going on? It takes a while. But if you, if you're faithful, if you persist, and you just keep letting God pour himself on you. If you keep letting him pour himself on you. If you keep letting him pour himself on you. And you start filling yourself with God. Here's what he starts doing with your, with your habits. Here's what he starts doing with your sin. Here's what he starts doing. Until what? He makes you a new person. I, little commercial. I tried this at home. And one ball always stays. And Lorena says... Well, you should tell them that some stuff God doesn't remove. And it's true. Paul prayed what? And what did God say? My grace. But he removes a lot of the junk. So here's my question. Have you allowed the Holy Spirit to renew your life? Here's the third step. Here's the third step. How does the Holy Spirit renew our life? How does he renew our life? He renews our our mind through the word of God. It is through the word of God that he renews our mind. I, I want to tell you something, okay? What others think about you is irrelevant. In the big picture, it's irrelevant. It, it matters, but it is not the most important thing. What your parents or spouse thinks about you is irrelevant. What you think about you is irrelevant. What God says about you is the truth. And if you are not getting God's truth in you and you are not letting the Holy Spirit fill your life, you are gonna, you're not going to change. 
This week, for those of you that downloaded the U version, or if you still haven't done it, go and do it. Um, I've added a reading plan of five days, and I want to challenge you for five days, every day, for just 10 to 15 minutes, spend time in the Word of God. And this reading plan is about renewing your mind. Because when you say, I want to change, and I need the Holy Spirit to change, and I'm going to be in God's Word so that the Holy Spirit renews my mind. Let me tell you something. The new has begun. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you, and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Day Spring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.